Oh crap! I hit the live button, Ben. Are we back? Are we on? Oh wait! Oh no! There you are. Hey, sweet string coming in hot. That is how you do a fourth string intro, by the way. Yep. That is how you do. And for the first time ever, eight o'clock on the dot. Boom, baby! Look at that. Yeah, killing it. By the way, if you saw the little notifications, I like I have cleared these things ten times today. They keep coming back. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the issue is with Apple. I don't get it. I don't know what the issue is with my green screen. This is weird. Well, you're, it looks like you're on a brick wall. I Well, kind of. It looks like you're integrated into a brick wall. Occasionally, yeah. you are becoming the brick wall. Yeah. It's very uh, different. Let's see here. This is how this is how we do it on this show. It is how we blur. do it. Usually about minute, minute seven is when you get content. When we hit our stride, right? I don't know if we ever hit our stride. I would just say minute seven is when you start getting content. And see, I just remember to turn the uh, light on my webcam on. So we're off first minute. I mean, hitting Dylan, it hard. You're so, welcome, listeners, uh, a.k.a. CJ's mom. Oh, yeah. Actually, she's not even listening right now. They're at a birthday party. Oh. But she'll listen later, I'm well, sure. Hello from the past. Uh, yeah. Hello from the other side. That happened. <laughs> and now we All have right. a copy strike. Can we talk about football now? Please. Okay. Oregon. Washington. <laughs> uh, and now Colorado's on the Big 12. And it sounds like by the end of next week, there will be more teams in the Big 12, but we don't know who yet. So we go so, from Power 5 to Power 3? Well, the ACC is still a thing, and there's now reports as of five minutes ago that Oregon and Washington are rumored to be in the mix for the ACC. Yeah, here you go. ACC? ACC. Well, that would make it more competitive. ACC sure. looking at possibly adding Oregon and Washington per report. Now, this is All right, so Pac-12 is just over. So, Okay, well, let's, let's talk about the timeline here. So okay. Colorado last week says – they're going to the Big 12. I was Prime, not baby. shocked by that. Prime I figured that would be the first domino to fall. Okay, yeah. so that happened. Then, shortly thereafter, reports start coming out. The Big 12 is looking to add more teams. But we don't know who. But supposedly there's like three teams they've got their eyes on. Now I've got my suspicions. And then, a few days ago, we start hearing Oregon and Washington might be part of the next editions it's like okay well from a brand perspective that makes a whole lot of sense and then yesterday or maybe it was the day before yesterday is within the past 48 hours report comes out brett mcmurphy tweets that the big 12 isn't really interested in adding oregon and or washington simply because they would go to the big 10 as soon as they received an invite and then today, uh, there's a report that comes out that says the Big Ten is not interested in Oregon or Washington. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the ACC is in talks about adding Oregon and Washington. So you kind of start to piece everything together and see what's happening. And it becomes fairly evident that all of these leaks, almost all of them, with the exception of the Big 12 is considering them, um, 
is coming from the Oregon and Washington camps. They're the ones leaking this. I don't think the ACC uh, has had one discussion about adding those two programs. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. I think the ACC would sooner go after West Virginia. Um, I think the ACC would sooner go after Central Florida, something like that. In fact, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't. Maybe that was to appease Florida State. But nevertheless, these are the camps leaking it. And then here's the reality of this bit. I think if Oregon and Washington actually wanted the Big 12, and if the Big 12 wanted them, the deal would be done right now. And it would have been done before Colorado. Okay, But the reality, the truth of this is, Oregon and Washington really want the Big Ten. They both feel like Big Ten schools. And I think the Big Ten wants them too, but here's the problem. One school contains all the dominoes. One school contains all the moving moving pieces. And if they fall, everything's going to get locked into place. And if they don't, everything's kind of left into this weird amoeba that we're in. You know what's going I'm talking about? Notre Dame. Ah. Exactly. The Big Ten wants Notre Dame. And yep. what is the number one thing that, if it happens, would keep Notre Dame away from the conference probably for forever is having more programs to share the revenue with. Right now, they brought in USC and UCLA because they could bring in LA revenue. Yep. Okay. Well, I can tell you right now, there ain't any revenue in Washington or Oregon. It just ain't there. They're nice only programs. Nike money. There is Nike, Nike money at Oregon, but yeah, only they're from nice one, programs. One guy. They're really yeah. nice programs, but they do not bring the revenue that it would take to make sense for that. So, Notre Dame's big thing has been, hey, if you bring in more and more programs that aren't bringing in revenue we don't want in because for us to justify cutting the nbc contract and come join your conference the revenue the numbers have to be there and if we're having to share revenue with 17 other schools it's just not there right yep so they would potentially be interested in the big 10 if especially if the ACC falls apart the way it's rumored to be, but they have no interest in the Big Ten if the Big Ten's going to go and add the ACC conglomerate or if the Big Ten's going to go and add the two Pac 12 schools, right? But if Notre Dame isn't going to the Big Ten, they would absolutely want Oregon and Washington, right? So this is, I think, becoming a massive game of chicken. And the Big 12 actually contains all the leverage here because if you're Oregon and Washington, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait while your peers continue to bolt and go into different programs? And are you going to risk not really having a home because you can't survive independent the way Notre Dame's been able to, right? So are you going to risk that? Or are you going to risk going to the Big 12, where I think the Big 12 has basically said, we want you here, but we're going to negotiate a contract where your only way out is through a massive payout. We're not just going to let you leave willy-nilly if you come into our conference, right? Because like, if you come in in July and the Big 10 calls you in September, like that's fine, but we want to be compensated if that happens, right? Mm -hmm. So I think those two schools are very much in play for the Big 12. 
I wouldn't be shocked if that deal is done by like tomorrow, but the big piece is going to be the viability of what happens to those programs if they were to get called on the Big Ten, and are they willing to basically say the Big 12 is going to be our home for the next 10 years? Are they willing to basically wave the white flag on going into the Big Ten, or do they want to continue to risk? Maybe they get an invite to get into the Big Ten, but now that you have to stay in the Pac-12 and potentially watch that old conference dwindle away while this is happening. Did I put that, if I summarize that well, Ben? You have. Uh, it's it's wild what's going on in college football because SEC, Big Ten, the two main conferences now, and you've got the Pac-12, which hasn't really been relevant in quite some time, even though they have some good teams at the moment. The ACC, who has top-heavy one team over the past decade, two teams potentially this year with Clemson and FSU. The Big 12, who, are they relevant anymore? The Big 12? Yeah. I think so. Are, are they as relevant as the SEC or the Big 10? No. Um, and I really, mean, quite frankly, this year, or uh, next year, they're not going to be as relevant as the ACC as long as those programs can stick together. That's what but I'm you've saying. got some so, fun like, programs here, though. With the Big 12 and the Pac-12, which one is less relevant? Oh, the Pac-12, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Which 100%. is wild because yeah. there are some championship-caliber teams in the Pac-12. I, I mean, TCU went to title game last year and got smoked it was kind of a fluke it was the the team that you know i mean i would think tcu being there is the fluke yeah that's what i'm saying okay yeah yeah so like the big 12 shouldn't have had someone there but Texas i wouldn't have said Oklahoma tcu was a title contender they made either. the game yeah but they, i don't think they were a contender and i don't yeah. think if oregon made it this year they'd be a contender either i think they'd get slaughtered by georgia lsu alabama but see what I'm here. What I'm thinking here is you've got three mediocre conferences that they're they're the, the big teams from those conferences are vying for either SEC or Big Ten play, and it makes more sense for like the premier programs, regardless of their actual income, to be wanting to go to the Big Ten just based on the rest of the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, uh, the move for the move for Colorado from Pac-12 to Big 12 is like going from, I don't know, man, Granny Smith apples to like Fuji apples. Like you're well, still eating no, apples. Because Colorado should have never left the Pac or the Big 12 to begin with. Yeah. That was like, it made, it made no sense. Like they don't, they're not a Pac-12 team. They don't fit into that conference whatsoever. I think the Pac-12 had this idea of adding a couple of like, mountain time zone teams and Colorado and Utah kind of fit the bill, but uh -huh. Colorado's not a, Colorado's always been a big 12 school. I mean, so, they're, they're much closer to a Texas or a Texas tech than they are a Washington state. Why doesn't the, the big 12 and PAC 12 just look to combine into a super conference? That's well, the longevity. I think, well, not necessarily because I think there are some programs uh, academically and for other reasons the Big 12 doesn't want. Like, I don't think the Big 12 wants Stanford or Cal. 
just don't think they bring anything. And then you get into profit sharing from all these schools. So it's like, okay, you have one big super conference of 24 teams, but there's only so much money for it. And now you're going to split it 24 ways. You know, I think what the big 12 is looking to do is get to 14, maybe 16 teams at the very, very most. Um, and you don't have multiple time zones. I think their ideal would be they have an East Coast, Central, Mountain, and West Coast time zone. That's why they brought in Central Florida is now they're into the East Coast time zone, which I've been saying the Big 12 should have been getting into more time zones for forever. I thought the Pac-12 should have done the same thing. Like the Pac-12's biggest mistake is not going after Texas and Oklahoma 10, 12 years ago when yeah, those programs were vocally not in support of staying in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, like you had the Oklahoma AD coming out and talking about how they were dissatisfied with the Big 12. Like when they left, I wasn't shocked. I was yeah. shocked that the Pac-12 didn't even try to make an effort to get at that At that point in time, USC was just coming off of like a dynasty and Oregon had just been to the national championship like two times in four years. So yeah. the Pac-12 was much more relevant than than they are now. Well, and the other thing that the Pac-12 has always had is a watchability issue because it'll start games at like 10 o'clock at night. You just can't yeah. start a game in Arizona on a September on a Saturday at like 3 o'clock. It's way too hot. So they literally can't start half their games until like 10 o'clock at night. Right. But the thought of bringing in like a central Florida is it's like, okay, we can now have Oklahoma state go to central Florida. Right. And be seen on an East coast time zone. Right. The idea of saying, okay, like if you're the pac 12, like you're going to bring in these Arizona schools into the big 12. Right. Well, now I can get Arizona state, on a three o'clock time frame on the East Coast, which means more East Coast eyes are watching a team out west we normally wouldn't get to see, right? So, I mean, the Pac-12 has never done any of that though. They've always had like these weird times, the Pac-12 after dark thing, and nobody wants to watch or be a part of it. And it's gotten to a point where these California recruits are like, "Why would I go to USC where nobody's going to be up watching me?" when I could go to Alabama and be seen on CBS at three o'clock every Saturday. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you're a potential NFL prospect, yep. Alabama's way more attractive. No, hundred so, percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what plays out over the next couple of weeks with expansion. I think Oregon and Washington are fascinating brands. Um, I think the idea of the ACC going after them, is really interesting. I don't know that it's enough to save Clemson and Florida State from bolting, right? But I think it's enough to savor your conference if they do bolt. Where where does Clemson and Florida State go? SEC? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think they'd go SEC. Um, UNC would go Big Ten, 100%. UNC would go Big Ten. I don't know if Duke gets into the mix. Basketball-wise, it would make a lot of sense. Um, Virginia would go Big Ten. And, I mean, it's interesting. Virginia, I think, is more attractive to the Big Ten than Virginia Tech is just because of the academia and stuff that that brings to the Big Ten, which they've always been about. Um, 
Virginia Tech is really kind of like good academics, good sports, but not really moving the needle in anything. Yeah. They were much more attractive, gosh, 15, 20 years ago. When you had Miami and Virginia Tech. In the Big East. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I saw so I saw this like meme a couple of days yeah. ago. My favorite meme ever. It was like, imagine if conference realignment looked like this. And it was literally like how all the conferences were set up in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it looks like, oh my God, this is a dream scenario. Like if you had like Miami and Virginia Tech like back against each other and like you had Texas and Texas A&M in the same conference again. Oh man. <laughs> Golden days. Exactly. But yeah, like resurrect the Big East. Like, here's the thing that's wild is conference realignment right now is like going between you've got the power five power five who like someone had deemed that at one point in time. There's no reason for the ACC, the Big 12 or the Pac-12 to necessarily exist tomorrow when you could get the cream of the crop and put them together into a conference where it actually matters. I think from a competitive standpoint, that makes a lot of sense from a entertainment and TV contract standpoint. I don't know if it brings. Yeah. Those things take so long to actually develop. Um, But today is big 12 preview day, which I'm excited. I said seven minutes would be your actual content. Um, 17 this time. It was good. It was a good discussion. Everyone enjoyed it. It was. I mean, look, conference realignment's a big thing. I've been a big fan of it. Um, I'd love to see Liberty get into the Big 12. That should be their next edition. All right. Sleeping giant. Um, (laughs) With a lot of money, by the way. All right. So let's do our Big 12 rankings. So we don't go super in-depth when we do this piece of it. We have multiple things we're going to hit throughout the show. One thing that I'm going to surprise you with, Ben, that we're going to talk about is out of the new additions to the conference, which one performs the best um, this year? So let's go 1 through 14. Give me your Big 12 rankings. Uh, let me pull up the Big 12. Okay. Ben's you pulling up his me. I'm going to pull. I'm going to give you mine. So I yep. have Texas winning the conference. By the way, the only reason – why I don't have Kansas State winning the conference is the game between Texas and Kansas State is in Texas, and Texas has won six straight games against Kansas State. As good as Kansas State has been and as all over the place Texas has been, that blew my mind. Second, I have Kansas State. They just have so many starters returning. They have Will Howard coming back at quarterback. They're going to be great. Third, Baylor. This will be a bounce back here for Dave Aranda. Fourth, Texas Tech. I'm excited to watch, talk about Texas Tech later in the podcast. I think they're one of the most fascinating teams in the conference. Fifth, the fighting Gus Melzons, UCF. Sixth, <laughs> Oklahoma. I don't know if that's even going to be good enough to save Brent Venable's career. I've got some big concerns about him. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Seventh, TCU. They go from four super close wins last year to a much, much tougher schedule, and I don't think it's going to bounce as the, their way as much as it did. They're going from five Big 12 home games to five Big 12 road games. They're going from a team that had 18 returning starters to a team that only has 10. This will not be the same TCU team. Eighth, Oklahoma State. Um, 
I don't know if they can get past seven and five, Ben. I think they're right back where that is. Quarterback situation, Spencer Sanders gone. Jeff Drake plays. Mm-hmm. Ninth, Iowa State. I don't know if Matt Campbell is everything we thought he was three or four years ago. Uh, 10th, BYU. Um, 11th, Kansas. Got off to a hot start last year. Fell off the war, uh, in, edge of the map um, uh, towards the end of last year. 12th, Cincinnati. They are losing Luke Fickle and bringing in Scott Satterfield. Scott Satterfield is a good coach. Don't know if he's great. 13th, West Virginia. I think they've got the wrong coach. they got to make a move. And then 14th, West Virginia's old coach, Houston, I think is going to finish last in the conference. I don't think they're good at all. They're also losing Clayton Toon this year and Nathaniel Dell, two very tough pieces to replace. So there's my Big Ten preview. Ben, or Big 12 predictions. Ben, yours. Yes, sir. Big he gets a 12 week prep for the football. podcast. And he and he waits until minute 20 into the podcast to prep. <laughs> he gets a whole week. Minute 20 in the podcast. Oh, I should start prepping. I love Ben. No, I, I uh <laughs> I don't even start prepping then. I just pull up like a list and I'm like, who do I like? Who do I like in this? You know the problem with this? The problem with this that, is that you carry we're gonna get to Big Twelve. No, we're gonna get to Big Twelve Championship Day, and your predictions are gonna outperform mine. That is the problem. Is I sit here and I research all week long, and I do hours and hours of research. I sat outside today, did research while throwing a frisbee to my dog and drinking whiskey. It was about the best way to spend a Sunday afternoon, and I do all this research. I feel so good about my predictions, but Ben's gonna beat mine. Just naming teams off a list. Just naming teams off a list. Just based on how I uh, how I like their uniforms, oh, and great. the history like of their program. It's like my wife picking March Madness brackets. That's right. That's actually how I pick March Madness. Oh, I look at the numbers and then I too. say, "Screw the numbers. Who are these people?" Oh my God! All right, one through fourteen, Benjamin. I always have Duke going to the Final Four. By the way, appreciate. I, I need you to stop doing that because they haven't been in forever. <laughs> Stop, make, stop picking that. Okay. Uh, so I think you're right. Texas is the top team. Team to beat. Loaded with talent. Incredible coach. Incredible quarterback play. Uh, they should win the conference outright. And really, really solid team there. Uh, my second team is going to be UCF. The Fighting Gus Malzahn's. Is number so, two? Number two. Wow. Because I did not do any prep. So I'm just going to pick teams as I go down here. Uh, Kansas State is after them because Kansas State's usually pretty good. Then I've got Iowa State at number four. Uh, I've got the Bearcats, Cincinnati at number five. Okay, got Ben's is not going to be better than mine. BYU, number six. <laughs> I've got uh, Oklahoma at number seven. Uh, we'll see how Oklahoma does this year. Oklahoma is uh, – there's a good chance they fire their coach, who was a good defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I do think there's a good chance. Uh, the year they go into the SEC. <laughs> well, that that's the thing. is the, I think the expectations this year – we'll talk about it in a minute. Here's, here's the crazy thing, and let me just throw this out right now as like a preview. Who has 
taken a program that is traditionally absolutely awful in a basketball school and turned them into a premier college football team in the SEC East. Mark Stoops. That's right. Who has a history of being in the program of Oklahoma? Bob Stoops. That is but if correct. Mark Stoops was going to get the job, why didn't he get it last year? Because he said no. But they're going to throw a whole dump truck of money. At, at Mark him. Stoops? Yeah. Okay, we're going to come back to this discussion in a bit because I think it's interesting. All right, keep going, Ben. All right. So uh, after, after Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, he's a man. He's, gosh, probably 50 at this point, maybe older. Uh, after that, uh, Kansas, just because I love the Jayhawks. Uh, I've got Baylor. I don't even know what number I'm at anymore. Baylor way down there because Baylor can't play oh. offense. Uh, then we have who is left? <laughs> TCU. Who's TCU. left? <laughs> TCU is oh, terrible. Texas Tech and and ending it out West Virginia. Sorry, Pat McAfee. I don't know that you ever named Houston. Um, they they got dropped from the conference. Okay. I'm never letting Ben. <laughs> There's I don't know why I even tell you what conference we're doing next. Doesn't matter. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Conference championship prediction, Ben. So I mean one, two. You've got Texas one oh, yeah. and Central Florida two. So you're so the money you're putting on conference champion or on coming in second rather is a team quarterbacked by a former Ole Miss wide receiver. That's right. Did you see what Gus Malzahn did in 2013? Yes. Yeah. Welcome to 2023. It's been a decade. It's coming back. Mark my words. <laughs> okay. Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn is the best coach in the U.S. when he doesn't play with position players. I will tell you this about Central Florida. Let's let's talk about them. By the way, this is this is my most exciting team. So that's always one of our superlatives is who's your mm -hmm. most exciting team. Um, Central Florida is my most exciting team to watch on the conference because I honestly I don't know what we're going to get. I think the I think the schedule is super workable. For one, they don't have to play Texas. That's a big win. Their road games, they're gonna play at Kansas State. Now I think that's a brutal place to play. At Kansas State. Uh, at Kansas, at Oklahoma, at Cincinnati, at Texas Tech. Those are all tough. Other than Kansas State, I wouldn't be surprised if they won all those games. They also have an easy start to their schedule. Kent State, Boise State, Villanova. So they're going to start off 3-0, and and they really get an opportunity, I think, to figure out their offense, figure out any question marks they have on this team. And they're bringing back 15 starters, which is huge. But... It's really, I think, going to be in the hands of John Riss Plumley. I think the new offensive coordinator, Darren Henshaw, um, who was the offensive coordinator at UAB last year, he comes in. That's I don't know how he's going to do. And then they're also bringing in a first-year defensive coordinator, Addison Williams. So we've got two first-year defensive coordinators, 15 starters coming back. We've got a quarterback who's good, but let's be reminded, he was a wide receiver at Ole Miss. 
And he was a wide receiver that they would use in quarterback formations occasionally. He had that talent. I watched him play live. He's he's good, but he's a little bit of a throwaway there at Ole Miss, and Gus Malzahn's kind of bringing him in and figuring it out. Um, the one thing they do have, if he gets injured, is this quarterback room has a lot more depth than it's had before. I think that's huge. I And, and then there's this too, Ben. This is Gus Malzahn's uh, third year here at Central Florida. I don't think he came to Central Florida to make it his permanent home. I think he came to Central Florida to leverage it for an SEC offer. And I think there's going to be, I mean, there always are, three to four sec schools what's that wanted to coach at arkansas for 20 years and that's what we talked about two weeks ago Mm -hmm. is arkansas who by the way arkansas's offensive coordinator is gone we're talking about him later because he's now at a big 12 school right so he's now gone um and i don't know that they're going to get the same production out of kj jefferson this year that they've gotten arkansas i think is probably on pace for a losing season so if that happens right they should be would the worst they move the on what's that they should be the worst in the west i, I mean we both the, picked the west to be the is worst. brutal right yeah so all that to say with gus Malzahn in central florida i think he's gonna put a big emphasis this year on having a couple of marquee wins getting mm-hmm. to about nine to ten win games now i don't think it's going to be enough to get them into the big 12 championship but the reason i've got them fifth in the conference is because I think we're going to get his most creative offense he's ever had. Exactly. Exactly. So think back to 2013 when he took a cornerback and took him to the national championship game and was 13 seconds away from winning it. That's true. That's what you're going to see this year. This is Nick Marshall 2.0, and it's going to be nuts. And that team team was the wildest team I've ever watched play. It was insane. Yeah. You had the kick six that year. You had the which by the way, as crazy as the kick six, as crazy as that was, the ending to the Georgia game was crazier. Yep. That was That's there. the craziest ending to a football game I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was the at tipped, that game. The, oh, you were at that game, the tipped pass. Double tipped. Yes. Yeah, right. So no, I, I think Central Florida is going to be easily the most exciting team to watch. And I think, Ben, it seems like you're kind of on the same path with that, too. Oklahoma is going to be fun as well. But Oklahoma last year just got blown out and he get no offensive creativity. And Dylan Gabriel, I don't know that he can stay healthy throughout a whole season. I just I yeah. don't. Um, so but speaking of Oklahoma, who's your hottest seat, Ben? My hottest seat is Brent Venables. Yeah, it has to be. Because you don't you don't get a premier job like Oklahoma and go and win six games or whatever he did last year. Here's, so. here's the biggest problem I have with Venables. Mm-hmm. Venable, I, anytime you bring in a defensive coach, or anytime yep. you bring in any coach, the side of the ball that you coached on as a coordinator, anytime you bring in a coordinator, how is your team on that side of the ball? Oklahoma's defense last year exactly. was awful. They Abysmal. let Kansas State score 41 points. Like Kansas State was a good team, not a like high power offensive team. TCU put up 55. Texas beat them 49 to nothing. Kansas, a game which Oklahoma won, put up 42 points on them. Baylor, a team that didn't have an offense last year, put up 38 on them. 
Um, and Texas Tech put up 51 on them in an overtime game. This defense last year was just terrible then at just about every end of it. And that was also the one side of the ball. They didn't lose a lot of players either. So, I I mean, for this team to have success, Dylan Gabriel is going to have to be great. Um, Drake Stoops, who is a starting receiver on this team, is going to have to be great. And Marcus Major, I do think he will be great. But I don't think Marcus Major is enough in this brutal of a conference that is the Big 12. I don't think Marcus Major is enough to take this team to 9-10 wins. And then here's the kicker. Do you know who their defensive coordinator has been? You'll be confirmed. You will be confirmed about every end of your Oklahoma analysis once I tell you this name. You don't know who it is. Nope. Ted freaking roof. I hate that guy. He's, <laughs> as do I. He was the head coach at Duke. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He sucks. He is. He is. He had the worst defense I've ever seen. Everywhere he's been. How does everywhere he keep any jobs? Been. I don't know. How is he, he the defensive be, coordinator at Oklahoma freaking Homa? He must be the nicest guy ever. For people I, to keep I would get it at him. Tulsa. I would get it at Tulsa. Let, let's pull up. Hold on. Ben, talk about something while I pull up Ted Roof. Ted Roof is <laughs> one of the most frustrating coaches to watch because he seems like he has no idea what's going on. He doesn't. When he, when he plays, when he, when, he has, when he calls plays, it's like he doesn't even care what the other side of the ball is doing. <laughs> he is just going to run the play that he had drawn up, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, because it's not going to, because you're not paying attention to what is going on, and you're not calling a defensive play to stop an offense, you're calling a defensive play like a kid who's just playing with a playbook in NCAA 2014. And you're going to get burned almost every single time, especially when you play against teams that know what they're doing and are competent, which majority of the teams who's going to play are. Uh, You're not playing West Virginia every day, buddy. And so, good luck, Oklahoma. Uh, last year, they had, on average, like 30 or 40 points scored on them. Make it 50 this year. I'm saying any game of Oklahoma, I'm taking the over. I am going to take the over because Oklahoma's going to get burned in every game. Yeah. So, by the way, Ted Roof is a head coach at Duke. Uh, his first year, 2-9. and nine. Second year, one and ten. Third year, zero and twelve. Last year, one and eleven. His best winning percentage was when he took over as an interim head coach, and he went two and three during their last five games. By the way, it should be noted in two thousand six, and I I am like a huge Duke football fan. Um, two thousand six, Duke was shut out, shut out by FCS Richmond that year. They didn't score a point. And they were actually shut out in three of their first four games. Duke never scored more than 20 points, or uh, I'm sorry, 28 points, until their last game of the year against UNC, which is a big rivalry. He is the I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, 
I hate to blaspheme a guy in our podcast. His head coaching record is six and forty-five. Yeah, six, six wins. And yeah, six wins, forty-five, and everywhere he's been, Georgia Tech defense was terrible. He goes to NC State. They won games. Their defense stunk. Uh, Appalachian State. Their defense was okay, but they didn't play against anybody. Then he goes to Vandy. Defense was awful. He goes to Clemson in 2021. They had one of their worst defensive years in a long time. Um, When he was at Auburn, their defense was awful. Awful those three years. He was a defensive coordinator in Minnesota, and they were bad. Everywhere this guy has been, he has been nothing short of just terrible. And I think he's going to be the downfall of Brent Venables. And I think the fact that Venables gave him the defensive coordinator job. Yeah, that's the downfall right there. I mean, that tells you what you need to know about Brent Venables. He brought him over from Clemson. Mm -hmm. This is Venables saying, this is my guy. I'm putting my name on this guy. That will get Brent Venables fired from this job. As it should. Well, yeah. And here's going to be the thing, Ben. If you look at the schedule, um, first off, they're going to play Southern Methodist um, second game of the season. Now, that's a home game. Southern Methodist is a good group of five team that's bringing back 16 starters and has a really smart head coach in Brett Lashley. They're also going to play right after that. They're going to go at Tulsa. Now, Tulsa isn't necessarily a great group of five team, but they are definitely a good one, and I'm trying to pull it up. Hold on. They have got, I believe they've got a lot of returning starters. Well, they only have nine. Tulsa only has nine returning starters. They're bringing in first-year head coach Kevin Wilson. But that game's at Tulsa. If Oklahoma goes into Tulsa and loses that game, does Venables get fired on the spot? Yes. What about even if they win, if they go into Texas, and let's say they're it's the Iowa State, Cincinnati, Tulsa, SMU, Arkansas State, five games. Let's say they're four and one going into Texas. And they get blown out again. You got a bye week right after it. Would you fire him then? If you get blown out by Texas for a second year in a row, would you fire Brent Venables? I mean, that's tougher, right? <laughs> it depends on if they've already made up their mind or not. If I've got Mark Stoops ready to come over, yes. I'm doing it. Pulling the trigger. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's going to get fired midseason, but I think there's a number of games that if they lose those games, specifically these select number of games, uh, Tulsa, Texas, Oklahoma State, and they are on pace to win like nine or ten games, you have to consider letting go of Brent Venables. Like you cannot go into the SEC and think that if you're going to be six and seven in the Big 12, you're going to go into the SEC and just run through the conference. Because I got to tell you, the SEC doesn't give you a Kansas in the middle of your schedule. It doesn't happen. (laughs) You might get a Vanderbilt once every like three or four years, but that's about it. You don't get a West Virginia thrown in there. You're going to get an Arkansas team chock full of four-star recruits that is desperate to a win so desperate to win so they can get to a bowl. Good luck. 
if this is what you're going into the SEC. Like, could you imagine Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stoops being your quarterback receiving combination going into an SEC conference? You would get slaughtered. <laughs> it would be, if you put that combo in the SEC West today, Ben, it would be the worst quarterback receiver SEC combo in the SEC West right now. Yeah. Compa- like It would be curious. comparatively, yes. Yeah. So, like, when yep. you think about that, how are you going to compete? Well, you're not going to have either of those guys next year. No. So, yeah. <laughs> probably by getting better guys. <laughs> no offense yeah. to either of them. Dylan Gabriel looked amazing before he broke his leg. Uh, he when did. He was at UCF like a decade ago. Because the boy's <laughs> been playing college football for like 10 years. I'm not yeah, joking. Yeah, he's been around I a while. Literally is that. Uh, when when he was before his terrible injury, and it, it, for a lot of people that would have been a career-ending injury, and for the fact that he's still playing, like kudos. Guy's a fighter. Incredible. Absolutely, yeah. Not the same player. And how can you be? You literally got your leg broken in half. So... Yeah. Well, the, no, this is not an indictment on like Dylan yeah. Gabriel as a person. No, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel might be a fine college quarterback, but he can't be your starter at Oklahoma. Like no. you can't tell me out of all the transfers that was available, this is what you're coming into the year with. Like Oklahoma had three where... Heisman quarterbacks like in a row. Yeah, and now they have Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. It's just. Yeah, I mean, there's ben, there's so much talent be, to be had. I, I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to think of SEC teams that might have a worse quarterback receiving duo. Kentucky, maybe, but Kentucky's still bringing in Devin Leary from NC State. He's going to be good. Um, uh-huh. Vandy, I guess, because they're Vandy. Yep. Maybe Missouri. Yep. I can't I think, think of any other SEC better. team. That's got a worse quarterback receiver duo. Okay, hold on. No, because Graham Mertz is the starter at Florida. But yeah, I would take <laughs> Dylan Gabriel over Graham Mertz. You got me there, but that's oh. it. That's about it. So you've got like 11 SEC teams ahead of you. So I don't care what happens to Oklahoma in the Big 12, but I do compare how do you feel about them going into an SEC year, and I don't feel super great about them. No, they're going to get smoked. Which I'm going to love. I can't wait to see Oklahoma lose every game each year. No. Um, all right. <laughs> so, Ben, let's go to surprise contender. Uh-huh. Who do you think nobody else is talking about? And, I mean, I know you've got Central Florida in second, so if that's your surprise contender, that's fine. But who's a team that is nobody else is talking about that you think could make a run in this thing? Man. I want to go UCF, but I don't want to take them again. Yeah, so I've got I've got one other. Give me yours, and then I'll okay. give you my my second. Minus Texas Tech. All right. So Texas Tech has seventeen returning starters. Eleven, all eleven on offense are coming back. By the way, that's number one. Number two, fifteen of their seventeen returning starters, fifteen are super seniors. So they've got 15 super seniors returning. 
So, okay, if you think about okay, TCU, why did TCU go on the amazing run that they did? A, they got a favorable schedule. That was number one, right? Number two, they had a team of just a chock full ton of seniors. And TCU was involved with Ben last year, a bunch of just super close games. So if I said, give me one team that could duplicate what TCU did last year, it would be Texas Tech. They've got everything. They've got the quarterback. Tyler Show, transfer quarterback. He was at Oregon. He comes in. He's really, really picked up the pace. He feels like a legitimate quarterback now. Um, they, they've got Miles Price at receiver and Jaran Bradley. That's a really nice combination at receiver there. Todd Brooks is at running back. Then you look at their schedule. Their schedule, been super workable. Their toughest road game is going to be at Texas, but it doesn't happen until November 24th. Their other tough competition in the Big 12, Kansas State, they get at home. Um, Central Florida, they're going to get at home. They're going to get TCU at home, and they get a bye before that game. Their road games, other road games, at West Virginia, at Baylor, at BYU, at Kansas. Like, I think there's a chance, Ben, we could see a team of super seniors kind of skirt by a lot of these teams and go into that Texas game, maybe like nine and two or 10 and one. And all of a sudden we look up and we're like, wow, Texas is really competing. And what's really, or Texas Tech is, and what's really interesting, Ben, Texas Tech, September 9th, will host Oregon, where Tyler Show used to play. So it's mm. going to be the Tyler Show Bo Nix showdown. And if oh, man. Got, if you pull up Oregon's uh, schedule, so let's pull this up here real quick. Um, so Oregon is going to play at Texas Tech, and then two weeks later, they're going to get Colorado and at Stanford, they're going to start off their Pac-12 play. Um, and Dan Lanning, as good as he is, I don't know that Bo Nix, when it comes to these big non-conference games, I don't feel like he plays that great. And let's keep in mind, this is a team that last year went to Atlanta, got shellacked by Georgia in the opening week, and went to Washington State a few weeks later and played a 44-41 to game against Washington State. They're not immune to getting upset or being in a close game with a really tough team. But even if Texas Tech loses that game, I still feel like this is a dangerous team the rest of the year. They're going to avoid Oklahoma. Um, they're going to avoid um, playing a bunch of tough road games. So they get a workable schedule, a bunch of super seniors coming back. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I love it. Texas Tech coming back. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I watched today. I watched the replay of Texas Tech uh -huh. versus Texas back when Colt McCoy was at Texas, and Texas Tech had um, <laughs> Michael Crabtree. And remember the catch at like the two yard line, and he like uh -huh. turns around at the last second and like runs. It was Mike Leach. This is when Mike Leach was coaching them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that I think it was Mike times. Leach. Maybe it was. Who was coaching them then? It was one of the two, I think. Uh, okay, so, I mean, Graham Harrell was the quarterback throwing to Michael Crabtree. It, I mean, it, it was all game long. In the crowd, that Texas Tech crowd 
was absolutely off the chain. That was one of the most insane crowds. And by the way, their uniforms then were so much better than they are now. hundred <laughs> percent better. It, anyways. And I mean, their uniforms are great now, but back then they were amazing. It was, I watched that today and maybe that kind of got me fired up about Texas tech football, but then I actually start looking at the team. I think they're going to be really good. So there's my surprise contender. And I think by the way, if they got 10 and one and they go into Texas, and pull off an upset. If they did that, they will be, by the way, <laughs> they will be, uh, that's stupid. They will be in the college football uh, contention. The only issue is Texas Tech has not beaten Texas in back-to-back years since 97 and 98. They haven't done it back-to-back years. So they beat them last year. Can they do it again this year? Hmm. All right. So my secondary Surprise pick, playoff contender, whoever you want to call it. Uh, I think it's their first year in the conference. BYU. It is their first year in the conference. How do you so, not know that? Well, because I don't, I don't pay enough attention to football during the season. That's how. <laughs> what happened last year? This is my co-host. I can't remember what year it is. Uh, look, BYU has had an incredible team for the past probably half decade uh, and they keep reloading with talent and they lost to Liberty last year, by the way, 42 to 14 Liberty had a great head coach who is gonna take the Auburn Tigers to a winning season. That's how. All right. So BYU has pulled in Kendon Slavis from, from USC as their uh, quarterback. They usually have a high-powered offense. They have three really big wide receivers. Uh, those are, let's see, Cody Epps, Cody Epps and Chase Roberts. Chase Roberts, and yeah. the last one, Keelan Marion. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I think um, so. I mean, Phil, Phil so and I keep this here as just kind of like a reference point. Phil Stills got Keanu Hill as the rejected starter. Um, but, yeah, Keelan Marion's very good. So, Well, I disagree with Phil. <laughs> and I also didn't buy the book this year, so there's my problem. <laughs> the guy that doesn't watch the games during the season disagrees with Phil Still. <laughs> uh, if you look at their schedule, it's actually pretty good. So... BYU plays two podunk teams uh, to start the season. Then they, I think, do they go to Arkansas? Yeah, so September 16th. That will be uh, an interesting game for them because they'll be playing one of the worst teams in the West. And so I think it'll be very telling. I think BYU pulls that one off. The, the interesting play. thing is if, if Arkansas yeah. were to lose that game, the wheels would completely fall off of that program if yep. they lost to BYU, which, by the way, I've got them losing that game. Um, yep. But if they lose that the week before they go to LSU, they're, they're not winning a game before that bye week. You're not turning that jukebox back on. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think <laughs> Sam Pittman would be absolutely on the hot seat if you dropped that game. Yep. Uh, 
thus the Gus era begins. But you've got BYU beating Arkansas on the road, beating Kansas on the road, then uh, having Cincinnati in a bye week before they play TCU. I don't think TCU will be as good this year. I think they blow through them. Texas Tech at home will be interesting. Uh, And then going on the road against Texas is almost guaranteed to be a loss there. But the rest of the season, they've got West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, all winnable games that they can put together a solid offense. And their defense is actually going to be very good. They've got some incredible DBs, a couple linebackers that are solid. Their offensive and defensive line should be stout. So look for BYU to come into the Big 12 and actually make it competitive. Well, it should be noted, um, like if you look at their losses last year, they lost at Oregon. They lost to Notre Dame. I think that was at a neutral site. Lost to Arkansas. They were absolutely shellacked by Liberty. And I mean, I, I love Liberty, but come on, that's a bad loss for BYU to lose 41 to 14 to Liberty. It's just, it's a bad loss. For them. Um, and they <laughs> lost to East Carolina. They did beat Baylor in double overtime and they did beat Stanford. So they beat a couple of power five teams. My concern for BYU, because they went 10 and three a couple years ago, 2020, they went 11 and one. They are going then from playing a couple of power five teams in a year to playing a power five schedule. Mm-hmm. And even one of their non-conference games is against a power five team. So they've got nine, they've got 10 power five games, right? And they're going from four to 10 power five games. I think BYU is going to have the biggest drop off of them all because they've just not been at this stage consistent enough with this, this group. And I think with the way they lost went on that four game losing streak, there were a lot of questions surrounding Kalani Sataki. Um, as to whether or not he's going to stay around BYU and he's, he's going to continue to be the guy. Now, were those questions warranted? We could argue whether or not they were or weren't, but those things started coming up last year. And seemingly, again, if you look at BYU schedule, like we talk about if BYU beats Arkansas, Sam Pittman's on the chopping block, but what if BYU loses to Arkansas and then they lose to Kansas and then they lose to Cincinnati? Well, the schedule ain't getting easier after that bye week, Ben. No. No. So, I mean, this is another team. Like, they could kind of be a surprise contender, and maybe they win because they've got some home games. But the wheels could fall off really, really quickly if they're not careful. And I like Kadan Slavis. I don't know that he is a good enough quarterback compared to – like, I think he's good, but I think if you look at what the rest of the conference is, how much of an advantage is he actually giving that offense compared to, like, Tyler Stowe at Texas Tech or even John Riss Plumley because of how creative you can be with him? Um, well, or Quinn Ewers at Texas or Will Howard at Kansas State? Um, like, he's I, a good I think, quarterback and he can deliver the football to the stellar wide receivers they have. Yeah, he just he might be the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the conference, is the That's issue. fine. Uh, we had a, a walk-on quarterback win the national title two years in a row. That's that's true. So as Keep long as you can going. deliver the ball to your star players, you can win titles. So, all right, let's go to, because I told you I wanted to talk about 
newest addition who performs the best. Um, I think both you and I are going to agree. Central Florida, I think, fits oh, yeah. that bill. Um, Gus Bus. Yeah. The Big 12. And I would say if Cincinnati had retained Luke Fickle, I'd 100% say Cincinnati is going to mm-hmm. be in the spot. But Cincinnati loses Luke Fickle. They only have nine returning starters coming back. Like, I think Scott Satterfield's going to win some games. I think there's a big overreaction to how bad Cincinnati's going to be. I don't think they're going to be that bad. Um, but I do think the losses are absolutely something. And Gus Malzahn, I think, is starting to come into his stride at Central Florida. He's been in this position before, coaching at Power 5. And Central Florida has kind of flirted around with some of this Power 5 stuff, too. They've been in some big bowl games. They've won them. They knocked off <laughs> Auburn, right? Um, like a decade ago. That national championship. Thanks to Gus. Yeah. So, I mean, Central Florida, I think, has the most experience in the spotlight. Houston's got a really bad roster. BYU, I, I question a lot of things about it. Cincinnati doesn't have as many returning starters. I think Central Florida is easily the best of that new group that's coming in. Yep. I've got to go with you right there. Central Florida is ready to compete in the Big 12. Uh, Gus has done a good job of getting them to this point. Florida as a whole has a ton of talent. And yeah. if you look at the the different programs, I'd say right now FSE was probably doing the best as far as developing talent. You've got Miami, who's done a very good job recruiting, even though they're terrible. And then you've got UCF right there in the mix, probably doing better than the Florida Gators. So right now UCF is primed and ready to actually compete in the Big 12. I think that they are a contender for the Big 12 championship. And I think they will deliver on uh, their entry into the program. So, so it's going to be very interesting to see kind of them versus the two power teams that are leaving and then what type of uh, gap that leaves. Let's go best game or game you're most looking forward to. And I'm going to give you mine. Um, let's see. Hold on just a second here. I'm going Kansas State and Texas Tech. Mm. That's going to be my best game. And I'll tell you this. So the game, by the way, is going to happen October 14th. I love these kind of early or like mid-season games where it's early into conference play because I think they bear a lot of weight, even though a lot of people aren't watching them. So first off, the week before, um, Kansas State's going to play at Oklahoma State the week before they play Texas Tech. So they're going at Oklahoma State, and that's coming off of their bye week. So regardless of what happens there, Kansas State then has to go at Texas Tech, which I just think is going to be an absolutely brutal place to play coming off of a bye week. And then Texas Tech, the week before this Kansas State game, they're going at Baylor, and the week after they're going at BYU. So this is a kind of sandwiched in between two away games. For Kansas State, it's the second of two straight away games. Um, And then Kansas State, is five and one straight up when they're playing in Lubbock and they're five and one five and one against the spread playing in Lubbock. They don't lose these games, Ben, but I think it's going to be just an absolutely wild game because I think Texas tech is a really good team that will be flying under the radar, but Kansas state will Howard. Absolutely amazing. This offensive line, incredible. One of the best offensive lines in the country and this and will Howard, by the way, he guided this team towards the second half of the season and into the Big 12 championship. The biggest question for Kansas State 
is can they replace Deuce Vaughn, who was a five foot five running back that's now gone into the NFL? I love watching his training camp videos because it looks like watching if you put my son on like a high school football field. Um, I mean, it looks like watching a kid just among men. Like it's the craziest thing. But can they replace Deuce Vaughn? And I think they're going to, Ben. And Chris Kleiman, I think, is if you look at all the coaches in the Big 12, if I were to ask you, going into any game, evenly matched teams, who would you want on your sideline? My number one pick would be Chris Kleiman. Every day and twice on Saturday. He would be, <laughs> yeah, he would be my pick. The guy was incredible at North Dakota State. He's been incredible here at Kansas State. The only team he really struggles with, um, I, I would say, is uh, Oklahoma State. He's one and six there and uh, continually loses to Texas. Um, so that, that's really about it. But I, I think that Kansas State at Texas Tech game is going to be absolutely wild, and there's lots of implications to it. Do I have to pick two Big 12 teams? Or can you I just got to give me your best game. The best you... game is by far September 9th. Your potential champion of the Big 12, Texas, versus the University of Alabama, a game that went down to the wire last year. But this Quinn Ewers rid- went out last year. Yes, he was yeah. injured. If he stays in that game, I think Texas wins. 100%. 100% Texas wins that game last year. And this year, it's a return to Bryant-Denny for uh, Texas's head coach, who I can't remember his name at the moment. It's going to be wild. Um, You can... I I told you I'm I'm the fifth string on the fourth string podcast. Not with the bull crap. We're both the fifth string. I'm... In, when when I go into the uh, the quarterback um, film room, I play on my phone. So that's that's where are you I'm Kyler at. Murray. Is that who you are? Kyler Murray. Okay. Um, I saw a Big Twelve reference there. Yeah, yep. I, I think the game at Alabama is going to be fascinating. But Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, this is the thing. He's got to win one of these big games. He's got to figure it out. He constantly loses these big games. Last year at Alabama. Did Quinn Ewers go out? Yes. But there were a bunch of mishaps along the way for Texas. I think it's going to be a fascinating game. Um, okay, so we did surprise contender, hottest seat, most exciting team, best game, player of the year, which, by the way, I spent more time trying to figure this out, and I really couldn't come up with a good answer for it. But the one I came up with is Xavier Worthy, wide receiver of Texas. Um, I, I think – if Texas is going to win, it's going to be because they score a lot of points. I think if they're scoring a lot of points, it's going to be because Quinn Ewers hit Xavier Worthy for a lot of touchdowns. I just mm-hmm. do. Um, I maybe think you could say he's a dark horse Heisman candidate. We just don't see a lot of receivers win the Heisman. But, I mean, he's easily the best receiver in the conference, I think. Like, easily. Uh, one of the best receivers in the country. He's going to get um, He's going to get drafted early in the draft, probably. Um, I, I just think he's a fascinating player to watch. And there's just there's just not another player. Like, I think the most talented quarterback in the conference is probably Jalen Daniels at Kansas. But I don't think Kansas will win a lot of games. So if Kansas most goes talented six, quarterback, what's that? That's the most talented quarterback. 
I'd say pure talent in the conference. Yeah. Runs it. Massive arm. Yeah, great. But Kansas isn't going to win more than six games, Ben. So if they're six yeah. and six and Jalen Daniels has thrown for 4,000 yards, yeah, I don't know that he's even going to get player of the year. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, look, at, at Texas, you've 4, got – 4,000 yards would be a lot. You've got, Quentin, you've got Quentin Ewers at Texas, yeah. and riding the bench is Baby Manning. So, like, <laughs> I think the best the best quarterback in the league isn't going to be playing this year. Um, but Quentin Ewers is pretty dang good. Well, okay, yes. No, best quarterback in the league is that. Okay, but I'm talking about starters. Okay. Well, I mean, Quentin Ewers, I would, I'd probably put above as just, like, pure talent at a quarterback level. Yeah, he's not the most athletic player, but he's a game changer. And now, I, I do want to see. Uh huh. Here's what I would love to see. I don't want to see Dylan Gabriel get injured, but I want to see him replaced. And I want to see him replaced by General Booty. And I want to <laughs> see General Booty win player of the year in the Big 12. <laughs> if General Booty win, were to win player of the year, the year Oklahoma leaves the Big 12. How is your slogan not "Kiss my booty"? <laughs> uh, that would is be. Is that the dumbest joke I've made on the podcast so far? Uh, it's up there. It is. It is. Chef's kiss. Thank you. Incredible. Um, the likeliness of it. It's. Let's just say you bet a dollar on that in uh, in Vegas, you're going to be a millionaire. So, but, you know, throw away your dollar. It's cool. Uh, I don't even know if you'd be able to bet on <laughs> a, a player become player of the year. You yeah. should be able to, right? But not on like, hold on. Dylan Gable's uh, first, Jackson Arnold's second string, Davis Bevel's third string. I don't think you could bet on player of the year and bet on that team's fourth string quarterback. There's no way like FanDuel gives you that option. We are yeah. the four stream podcast. We support well, our brethren. <laughs> we do. We should hold on, Ben. New theme that has to happen in every conference preview. Our favorite fourth string player. Why have we not thought of this? Boom. We've only done this for two years. It's all good. And we wait until trend. an hour and six minutes in. That's okay. With who's our favorite fourth string player? Well, I'll That's tell you okay. right now, this year my favorite fourth string player is General Booty. There it is. He there might be is. he might become the new logo of our podcast. <laughs> Incredible. All right. What else? Is that it? You know, like every podcast we end with like what else? Yeah. Like, guys don't know how to end things. I think that's the Big 12, bro. We're great at starting things. Ending things, not so much. I don't know. I don't know if we're great at starting things either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. We just... Well, so... Four string. Like, sometimes I just hit start. Like, I just think it's funny. Like, you right. don't be, like, fumbling around with his mic or whatever. Like, boom, start button. Let's just go. Boom. I don't even wait. Somebody asked me, he's like, what... Some, oh, this was funny, Ben. 
So like literally, I think it was Wednesday. Somebody sends me a text. What do you use to edit your podcast with? Edit? What edit? <laughs> I don't have an edit button. I don't use anything to edit our podcast. It's raw, baby. 100% raw. This mic is always hot. Always live. No edits. That's right. This is just pure magic. It is pure magic. You turn on the also, mic. We're just professionals. We need I don't to do any stream. prep. Before the start time. of the year, we need to stream me and you playing NCAA 14. Okay. Uh, Auburn versus Gators. That How do we good. stream that? I don't know. I don't think you can. We'd can have we to, like, hire like a 15-year-old to show us how to stream a 360? I, I would pay I like some kid that's on, what is that computer gaming thing? Is that TikTok? What is it? Uh, a Twitch. 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 Is that yeah. yeah, there you go. I, if somebody's listening to us and you have a Twitch channel and you want to make like 20 bucks, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you can show me how to like stream that on the stream yard. Xbox 360 on the stream yard. They're like, what's NCAA 14? <laughs> Never heard of that game. You got to take a phone and you put it in front of your TV and you hit stream. That's how you do it. I mean, that would be how we would do it. I do have the webcam. I could probably just turn that around. There you go. We do it. Yeah. Done. Do we want to talk about what happened the last time you and I played? Uh, sure. So, would you describe it? Yeah. I think it's the so, best uh, ending to any game ever. It was not. It was terrible. I had a win in the bag and just had to run the clock out. Okay, hold on. But what was the question you asked before you called the play? I said, what's the button to throw the ball away? And that was the start of Ben's demise. Please continue. Uh, so I just have to run out like I was going to score another touchdown regardless. I was unstoppable. True. I was a total. I mean, the game was like 60 to 58 or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I. uh all I had to do was score, and we were done. And I just had to run out the clock so that no freak accident would happen. And if I had scored, you would have had to have scored twice. Yeah, so I, I would have, have been just scored. Yeah, I could have just scored and been fine um, instead of being stupid. But instead, I took the stupid route because that's how I roll sometimes. <laughs> uh, I ran back 70 yards, wasted like 15 seconds of clock, Ran around and threw the ball away. Then I got hit with a penalty. <laughs> a 75-yard penalty. <laughs> it was I was ball. first in goal. Oh, my God. It was it was second and 80 yards. It was, well, it was second and goal from your or second own and goal. 20. Yes. Second and goal from my own 20. There you go. <laughs> the stupidest. I don't even. I still don't understand how that happens. Um, what I should have done is instead of throwing the ball away, just hit whatever button I wanted to because he could not have thrown it 80 yards anyway. Yeah. So it would have just fallen in the middle of the field. So then Ben gets sacked on the next play. Yeah, because I was trying to waste clock and just kill the clock and yeah. end the game. So then it's like third and goal from I think like your own 15 or something. Yeah, it was it was then your next play was a dumb incomplete pass. So then you punt. Yep. And I get the ball and go down and kick a field goal with time expiring. Yep. It was amazing. 
Okay. For everybody that put up with that, it's the best ending to a college football game ever that never actually happened. All right. In real life, it didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. It happened in real life for me. It hurt. Yeah. And now I I'm going to go destroy Ole Miss. Did you have to get a new controller? Uh, I am playing with the other one, the one that's not okay. destroyed. <laughs> so we did destroy it. Okay. I did. I took it out and I beat it with a hammer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I sent you a video of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That video should go up on our Twitter. All right. Thank you all for joining us. This has been definitely the fourth stringest of the fourth string podcast by far. Have a good night.